Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett, and this is science for people who give a shit. This audio newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now so you can get this audio newsletter every Friday, plus our conversations with the world's smartest people on Mondays when we are recording. You can find the digital version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or write in your show notes. And of course, you can support our work by becoming a member. All members enjoy our monthly AMAs and other signal reports, and annual members get to join our community, where our most uh, dedicated readers and listeners, scientists and policymakers, investors, founders, artists, journalists, researchers, students, everybody comes together to help solve problems on the front lines of the future. You can join at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com with a link in your show notes to help make sure our work continues. It's Friday, uh, May 27th, 2022. In climate change news this week, after years of scaling solar and wind, the pieces are coming together for a vastly cleaner economy. And just in time. The archaic U.S. electric grid may have a very rough summer, but hell, Exxon's going to court for real this time. The Biden administration approved a new transmission line that could reshape power in the West, but California will rely on gas and diesel for a little while to prevent blackouts. We can predict wind better, and robots could build wind turbines even faster, but the race to bigger means that wind industry simply isn't profitable. Meanwhile, desertification increases in the West. Here's how to understand it. Look, no one said this shit was going to be easy. Two glaring obstacles remain. There's a bunch, but these are the two big ones right now. The first issue is raw materials. So while battery prices have been dropping for a decade, like solar, they've finally flatlined in the past few months, and now they're climbing again. And here's why. Lithium, which is the heart of almost every battery we use in 2022, and for at least the next 10 years or so, is in incredibly short supply. And so prices are up almost 500% over the past year. 500%. And that means batteries are more expensive, which means electric vehicles could be even more expensive than they already are. 50% of the world's lithium is processed from South American underground lakes, while Australia mines a lot of the rest by banging it out of rocks, basically. So various other deposits have been explored around the world, but local opposition has, understandably, put the kibosh on most new mining plans because existing lithium mining techniques trash local ecosystems. They require a shit ton of energy and water, and they emit their own share of CO2. So again, look, this whole thing is complicated and not really ideal timing for keeping things cool. And honestly, when we're right on the cusp of a transportation revolution. First, the compound average growth rate of electrified transport is 48%, which blows away energy storage and energy production. At least 12 states in the United States have banned gas cars after 2035. Customer interest in electric vehicles is higher than it's ever been, half of new buyers worldwide want an electric vehicle already, though of course that's just 29% in the U.S. And that's probably due to both nightmare gasoline prices and also a flood, finally, of new electric vehicle models. War in Europe, of course, has crushed availability of other battery ingredients, which is driving up costs and restricting availability of those clean new automobiles. Tesla is also 
piloting a program finally to let other cars use their fancy superchargers. Bank of America is offering some employees $4,000 to buy an electric vehicle. And already, electric vehicles of every kind are displacing one and a half million barrels of oil a day, which, yes, in scope, is not that much, but it's something. And actually, much of it is coming from electric mopeds, scooters, and motorcycles in Asia. So look, we need more batteries, large-scale and in your cars, pronto. One potential partial solve to the lithium issue, as well as for the other ingredients, is battery recycling. The problem is we don't really know how to do that in an efficient way yet, uh, but we're going to get there. The second issue is federal support, of course. I don't have to rehash for you guys how Senators Manchin and Cinema have sold out the fucking planet and effectively vetoed any new climate legislation. So how do we get around them? Look, VC money is pouring into climate tech startups of every flavor, but clearly that industry is playing with one hand behind its back right now. So this week, 39 climate venture funds wrote to Democratic leadership pleading for legislation to unlock clean energy, clean electricity regulations, and more. Among others, the Biden administration is trying to build a domestic battery manufacturing industry. If we don't have the minerals, we might as well be the place where we put the whole fucking thing together. They're trying to simplify and expedite permitting for large-scale projects. And also, they recently built Solar App Plus, uh, which you should totally check out for your community. Uh, it helps communities like yours speed up residential solar installs. Your action step, what you can do, Earth Justice, you may know them, they're suing the shit out of the U.S. Postal Office because they bought a few hundred thousand gas vehicles this year instead of going electric. And of course, you can support their work at the link in the show notes. In COVID news, earlier this week, I published the third in what is apparently an ongoing series of long-form what's happening with the virus and where I think we're going updates. These things are at best snapshots in time, a record of where we've been and pulling together from our most interconnected institutions and humanity at large, an idea of where we are and most importantly, why we're here. So huge thanks to everyone who's already shared this. If you are listening, obviously this was just published as well. We've had a long week, so thank you. And I hope you get something from it. I recommend you do read it or listen to it. Here's the TLDR. Does that help people say it? Who can even know? I'm ancient. Here it is. While we're still fairly well protected against death and severe disease, that protection is beginning to wane a bit and will continue to do as new subvariants become more immune evasive and as the antibodies from your original shots, which probably months ago, become a little less potent and also because only a third of eligible Americans have gotten a first booster. Thus, COVID cases are growing everywhere. Look at the list for your county or your state and uh, multiply that by 7 to 10. And that's probably where cases are right now. The point is, institutionally and as a society, we're doing very little to prevent COVID from getting worse again and to understand the vast implications of non-death outcomes like long COVID. There's a few direct and relevant updates since I wrote that piece and published it. A new study says that more than one in five COVID survivors may develop long COVID symptoms. Another new study said vaccines may not prevent those long COVID symptoms. And Pfizer has agreed to sell nearly two dozen patent-protected medicines and vaccines at not-for-profit prices to 45 poorer countries. Of course, Helen Towen, Global Health Fellow, featured in my piece, said of the new move, 
The price of new essential medicines is a huge issue, and we need a sustainable approach, not just Davos-driven charitable acts. Yes, your action step, what you can do is to read the piece so you really get a comprehensive idea of where we are and why we are, and maybe just wear a mask while you're doing it. Um, in food and water news, the bread baskets are in trouble. The odds of a cascading food crisis are growing with war in Europe and bread baskets around the world getting hotter quicker than anticipated. From Ukraine and Russia to the Sahel and Africa to the Canadian prairies, from the Texas Panhandle to South America and India, massive war, massive drought, heavy rains are alternately all threatening domestic grain supplies and exports, uh, maize, sunflower and soybean oils, barley and oats, among others. This isn't regular inflation we're talking about, though that is a motherfucker right now. We haven't really fully grasped the extent of potential global suffering. Uh, from food issues. The Economist said this week, the high cost of staple foods has already raised the number of people who cannot be sure of getting enough to eat by 440 million up to 1.6 billion people. What's wildly frustrating here is that hunger fell for years as yields exploded. We've appropriated already the bulk of available land for fruit production, which is a shit show, but we actually only make a few varieties of our most essential crops, so they're really vulnerable. There's more than enough global food production to go around, but distribution is crazy complicated, and of course food waste among rich nations is wildly out of hand. The human food consumption system is among the most complex on Earth, if not the most complex, and stressors on both the nodes and the links, from shipping to fertilizers to soil, have been growing for years as the major players have coalesced. For example, just four major players control 90% of the global grain trade, which is a ridiculously uh, vulnerable setup as it is, but all of that also has to go through a bunch of ports controlled by autocrats that'll then be processed into diets that are killing us. So look, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm trying simply to illustrate the pitfalls of ignoring warning signs from highly complex systems we all depend on, say, public health or water or food. Here's the good news. And you're probably saying, what the fuck, man? The good news? Yes, the good news. Ready? When emissions stop, new warming stops. Again, I repeat, we know fairly conclusively that when greenhouse gas emissions stop, new warming stops shortly after. Now look, this should be an enormous fucking carrot to decarbonize as fast as possible, especially with regard to tipping the food scales. There are impacts we can't put back in the box for a long time, like ocean acidification, sea level rise, but air temperatures isn't one of them. Here's what you can do. Look, everybody needs some good news this week, right? That's part of fighting this fight. Enjoy the list of climate progress uh, we have made in 2022 alone uh, that our friends over at Carbon Switch put together because you need it. And then also watch We Feed People, which is the new documentary about Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen, which premiered today on Disney+. In health and bio news, guns. I'm not talking about microbiology today. I don't have much for you since 2020. You guys have all read this week since 2020. Guns are the leading cause of death for American children. And now, uh, in large part, because there are almost 400 million guns in American hands for 370 million people, 19 more babies uh, have been murdered. And uh, they're teachers, too. So I am exhausted. I'm full of rage and sorrow. I don't have the energy to throw stats at you, but I also thought there was nothing more appropriate to put in this section. It doesn't fucking matter 
you get it. There's no science to dig into, no deeper questions to ask. I don't care. I just want them all gone. I just wonder what the fuck we're doing to these kids. So here's what you can do. You can donate to the Uvalde families at the link in the show notes. Donate to every town. And of course, we have our episode from 2021, I think, with Fred Gutenberg, uh, whose daughter was murdered. I ask you to check those out and donate and support those folks. So <clears throat> in Beep Boop News, your healthcare apps and records are less private than you think. Look, one of the biggest questions surrounding electronic health records for 20 years almost now has been how to make them standardized, right, and available across your doctors, but also secure and private. It's your health data. Arrested Development Voice, a narrator, they're not. From a stat news investigation, the commercialization of medical data has exposed gaping holes in the 26-year-old law known as HIPAA, which pledged to keep patients' health information private but put healthcare organizations in control of its use. The law lets those businesses sell access to patient data as long as they remove or obscure certain information, such as names, zip codes, and birth dates. Once data sets are de-identified, HIPAA gives private companies wide latitude to buy, sell, and mine medical information without getting patients' permission or cutting them in on the profits. Here's how to understand it. Look, I've written extensively on the horror show that is the commerce around your location data. And I wrote a couple weeks ago about how period tracking apps may become a surveillance liability for women. And this week, Zainab Tefeki took it even further. She wrote in the New York Times, after the Supreme Court's draft opinion that could overturn Roe was leaked, the motherboard reporter Joseph Cox paid a company $160 to get a week's worth of aggregate data on people who visited more than 600 planned parenthood facilities across the country. This data included where they came from, how long they remained, and where they went afterwards. The company got this location data from ordinary apps in people's phones. Such data is also collected from the phones themselves and by cell phone carriers. Now, you may say, yes, but that data was aggregated. And I would remind you that time over time, researchers have proven they can pinpoint your identity from these data by harvesting and then triangulating a location, apps, purchases, uh, and against your friend's location data as well. Look, your location data is barely protected. Your insurance data, not protected. Your prescription data, not protected. Your search history, not protected. Your school tests are not private. The info you give your apps from CVS to Instacart, they're not protected. And all of it now can be used against you. Google and Facebook and Amazon are so integrated with the web, they often power the whole thing through cloud services and more, even if you're signed out of all the apps, it doesn't matter. These data and services combine to make for a more useful digital assistant. Don't just predict what groceries we need to buy again or when it's time to leave for a doctor's appointment or for your kid's school, but they control us and are accessible to law enforcement freely and sold every second of every day. This is not hyperbole. Tech groups need you to continue blindly giving your information away. And they're working overtime with lobbyists to water down any hope for privacy regulations. We can do so much better. Here's what you can do. We desperately need people in office who understand how the fuck the digital world works. So I would like you to donate, volunteer with, or even run for office with our friends at Run For Something who work exclusively with under 40-year-old progressive candidates at the local and state levels. 
Here's 10 things from my notebook. In monkeypox updates, and we'll cover that more thoroughly next week, there's a vaccine ready. It's the smallpox vaccine, and you're welcome. Our friends at Global.Health have built a monkeypox map, and uh, Vox wrote an explainer on why it's containable, we think. A new heat pump built in the U.S. could speed up U.S. home electrification by 20 years. Uh, We've got a story about how companies get punished for taking climate action. Stranded fossil fuel assets could really become a thing over the next 10 years. Bloomberg has a list of their 2022 climate innovators separated out by category. Some really cool shit there. Story about how FEMA helps wealthy white people escape flooding and sea level rise before anyone else. Another story about how big meat is basically just like big oil and the tactics they use to divert your attention from uh, their impact. There's a list of from our friends at the Montreal AI Ethics Institute of 150 burgeoning ethical AI startups. Good article on how robot companions might be a key to helping avoid loneliness in the elderly, or it could be a nightmare. And lastly, questions about what might a FDA healthy food label look like. That's the news for this week. It's been a tough week, and I'm sending you all love and support. Please hit subscribe now, support our work, but also so you can get next week's analysis straight to your feed. To go deeper on any of the news, to find your action steps, go to newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thank you for being a part of our community, and thank you for giving a shit. Have a safe uh, holiday weekend.